Um, I'm excited to preach. I think God's doing something through this church. Quite honestly, it's fun to watch. God's doing something through this church. God's doing something through your life. And it's, from my perspective, it is, it is an awesome thing to watch the way he's moving, the way he's saving people, the way we're baptizing people. Come on, we're baptizing people on Wednesday night. That was awesome. And he's doing it through you because you invited the guy to Easter who got saved and got baptized. And you're speaking into lives, the way you're serving and the way you're leading. And it is an amazing thing to watch from my perspective. Praise God for that. I'm also very honored to preach in this pulpit. Um, I am so thankful for the influence and impact that God has chosen to have through our pastor, Chris. Pastor Chris. Come on, if you believe it, say amen. Uh, like I said, or like he told it, I've been coming since I was 16, and uh, the I- influence and the investment that Pastor Chris has made in my life over the past 10 plus years is immeasurable. I only have 10 fingers, so I, I stopped counting a long time ago. Just every little last thing that he's done to build into me and the advice that I need right at the right time. And um, I, I can't count, like, I can't keep track of that kind of stuff, but I know God does. And he's keeping track, Pastor Chris. For every last little thing that we do to build another person up to the, for the faith, we carry that kind of stuff into heaven with us, right? I believe it. The greatest thing you might do for the kingdom this year might not be something you do, but somebody you build. So make that choice. Get yourself an understudy. Get yourself someone smaller and littler and younger and less experienced than you and take them along for the ride. Take them along for what God has chosen to do through your life because that's how he rolls, right? That's how the gospel goes forward. So I'm I'm excited. I'm so thankful for our lead pastor. We couldn't pray or ask for a better one. Amazing, amazing man of God. So let's stand. Come on. We like to stand. As we read the word here at this church, open your Bibles to Acts chapter 10. We're talking about the imitation game. We launched a brand new series last week in Ephesians 5. God says, be imitators of God. Don't do the best you, because you ain't that great. (laughs) Do the best God that you can do. And, and, and the best imitators of Elvis are the people that know him more. They're the people that have watched him say, thank you very much, a hundred times. The prize to, for the Elvis impersonator goes to the person who is studying him the most. And the prize for the Christ imitator goes to the person that has studied him the most. So I want to talk today about knowing the one you're imitating. You cannot imitate what you do not know. And the most important part, I believe, of the imitation game is that you would know the one you're imitating. Right, 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 right. I want to talk today about that. Your imitation of God is always limited limited to how well you know him. And if you're anything like me, the challenge is, I already think I know him. I already think I know everything there is to know about him. He died for me. He saved me. He empowered me by the Holy Spirit. He has called me to good works according to his purpose. 
all this I know. But tap your neighbor, tell them there's more. There's more. You don't know it all. You got to know him for yourself. The Christian life becomes this process of knowing him more and imitating him better. Knowing him more and imitating him better. Knowing him more and imitating him better. It's a lifelong journey that God is excited to take you on if you're willing. So let's read. In Acts chapter 10, this is an awesome story. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, and was, as was everyone in his household, he gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. Underline that, he prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, because God has good timing, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of the God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter, different town, different place, different guy, same devotion, was on his roof praying. And it was about noon, and he was hungry. This is how I know Peter is more spiritual than I am. And when I'm hungry, I go to the kitchen and eat. He's on the roof praying. He fell into a trance and he saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, Lord, Peter declared. I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. Someone be really thankful for the voice that speaks again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, and the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then, the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Staying outside the gate, standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. And meanwhile, as Peter was scratching his head, Puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs without hesitation, and go with them. Do not worry, for I have sent them. Come on, let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word to us. I pray that it would move in power, God, that there'd be good good soil, good ground for it to fall on, and you would have your way in this place. Thank you for the example of how you use devoted people and how these two men had their imitation game on high. Thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Sit down. (laughs) 
Tap your neighbor on the shoulder and tell them the title to my message is, It's Worth It. Tell your other neighbor, It's Worth It. <laughs> so the most important thing about imitating God is knowing Him for yourself. The most important part of the imitation game, when Pastor Chris said, week two of the imitation game needs to be that people need to hear, you need to know God for yourself to imitate him well. You can't go off your daddy's imitation. You can't go off your mommy's imitation. You can't go off the pastor's imitation. It is something that God has to do in and through you personally. Uh, that is the most important. You have to spend time with him. Someone said, ah, oh, preacher's going to talk about spending time with God. <laughs> Peter was that guy. Uh, we learned on Easter that he was the guy who ran to the tomb. Not as fast as Andrew, but he took off to the tomb. He was, he was devoted to Christ, and you'll notice that was after he denied him. Okay, uh, Peter was one of those that followed him from the from the fishing boat to this flat roof experience, Peter had followed Christ closely. For the entire time that he said yes to God, he was right by his side. He saw Jesus transform people, heal people, raise people from the dead, cast out demons. He saw Jesus move in power, and he was, his life was flipped upside down. Peter even got to walk on water. A little jealous. A little jealous. <laughs> I'm going to get there one day. He followed Jesus all the way to the cross where he denied him three times. And um, I think it's so unique that we find in our story today that he's still on his roof praying after the, after the, the mistake he made. And I want to say that uh, a life of devotion trumps any mistakes you can ever make. And that you can't let the mistakes that you've made keep you from the life God has for you. Because... If you're going to imitate Christ, one of the main things he did was forgive you. So you need to forgive yourself and get your imitation game back on. Um, devotion is the secret. Devotion is the secret. And Peter was as devoted to Jesus as anyone else I've ever read about in Scripture. Anytime you've ever read anybody doing anything great, it was because they were devoted to God. And Peter was a fine example of that. God's not looking for perfection today. He is looking for devotion. Uh, God trusted Peter with Pentecost because Peter was loyal. And there's something, if God can trust you deeply, he can use you greatly. And there's something to be said about him looking down from heaven and seeing where your loyalties lie. Regardless of mistakes you've made, or sins that you have. He's interested in it and where your loyalties lie. Yeah. Now we pick up in our story and God sees Peter on the roof praying, being devoted, spending time with him. That he's able to, he's able to do something kind of unique. And this is, this is the way the story goes. He's on his roof praying where I would have been in the kitchen eating. <laughs> and... He wants to take the gospel where it has never been before, to the Gentile believers. Hundreds of years of prejudice was keeping 
the early church from reaching certain groups of people. And God is all about reaching everybody. There's no one disqualified from the good news of Jesus. So he sees Peter on the roof, and I believe in one moment, because he knew where Peter's loyalties were, he said, oh yeah, Peter. Why wouldn't it be Peter? And he's on his roof. The Bible says that the day before Cornelius was praying because he was devoted. And God revealed to him to go send for Peter, a Jew. And because he was faithful, he did it. He gets there and Peter's on his roof. And God's doing this weird thing where he's showing him all kinds of animals. And he's showing him, he says, Peter, kill and eat. And he goes, ah, that, that's, you know, we can't touch pigs. It's not, it's, it's against the rules. And, uh, and God says, the rules are changing. And I want to reach people I've never reached. So you can't think the way you've always thought. And, and, and I need to know that you cannot call unclean what I've declared clean. And he did it three times. Because we're a little thick-headed. And it says he was puzzling over it. He couldn't figure it out. He goes to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius says, Man, I was praying yesterday and I had a vision to come get you. And he was, Peter, I was praying today and I had a vision to come see you. In this moment, I love how the Bible says that Peter saw clearly that God did not show favoritism. And he realized in in an instance through devotion to God and revelation by His Spirit that to imitate God better in His life, He was going to have to reach the unreachable. Talk to the un- to people that we wouldn't talk to. To break the laws. And God doesn't care about prejudices. He cares about people. And it's amazing. It says that As Peter was witnessing to Cornelius' house, the Holy Spirit fell and it was like Pentecost all over again. They were empowered by the Holy Spirit. And Peter goes, dang, I thought wrong about this for a long time. And God did something in Peter's head that took the gospel on a just fast track to more people who had never heard it before. So God wants to do that, right? So what do we have to do for him to do that through us? He uses devoted people to reach the world. Tap your neighbor, say it's worth it. I want to give you a little formula today to take with you this week. I don't want to leave you empty handed. I want to help you. Because if I believe everything I have, I believe the only reason I'm holding this mic is because I chose to devote my life to Christ. And he's able to know where my loyalties lie through my mistakes, through my angry dad moments, (laughs) through my angry husband moments, through my sin, through my leadership fails, through everything, he can see where my loyalties lie. And I want to tell you today that if he can see that, there's nothing he cannot do through your life. And I want to give you a formula for, for your week, okay? 
Week two of the imitation game, this is what, this is what counts. The more you're devoted to him will equal the more revelation you get from him, which will equal your better imitation of him. Okay, can I say that again? Did you get it? More imitation means more revelation. It means better imitation. You cannot imitate who you do not know well. And the only way to know it, him better is through devotion, more time with him. If, you're going to re- if we're going to reach more people, we have to become more like Jesus. That puzzled Peter. That puzzles me. I'm perplexed by the thought that God has to change my mind to reach more people. So I believe the best thing for us to do right now as we baptize more people than we've ever baptized and as we're seeing more miracles in our midst than we've ever seen and we are flying forward with the gospel, I think that the most important thing right now for us to do is go after God with everything that we've got. Because the people he's calling us to reach need more of him and us than we currently have. Amen. Amen. (laughs) All right. More devotion, more revelation, better imitation. So I want to give you some action points. If you're writing it down, write it down. Number one, get alone with God. Get alone with God. And then say it's worth it. It's worth it. Luke chapter 5 verse 16 says this. Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer. There was a, a story in the Bible where there was this woman who was sick for 12 years. She pushed through a crowd to touch Jesus. And when she did, the Bible says that Jesus felt power leaving him. And I don't know if you've had an iPhone on 9% lately. But it's almost a bad day, isn't it? And it works better charged up. Jesus felt power leave him. And in Luke chapter 5, we find out that Jesus often withdrew to the wilderness for prayer uh, to recharge, to stay devoted, to get new revelation uh, so he could imitate his father better. So the only way to imitate God better is to get alone with him more. So the imitation game just became about time management, didn't it? Because I, I, if I'm honest, I, I know devotion is the first, first thing to go. And we talk to him, and he's always there. And, but are you on your roof when you're hungry? Type of devotion. And I don't know. If I am. So the challenge is, is we determine the amount of time we spend with him. And your imitation of him can only be as good as your time spent with him. You ever wonder why kids act like their parents? It's funny. It's because parents have the most time with their kids. I tell my youth leaders all the time. Which you just need to give it up for this church because it's got amazing youth leaders. Come on. There are young people being poured into week after week because us older folk, we care. 
And we get two hours a week with them, and that's not enough. It's a time game. I, I, tell, I tell my youth leaders all the time we're outnumbered in youth ministry because despite our efforts, two hours a week isn't as much time as parents spend with kids. And kids act like their parents. I, I found this online the other day. It says that as we're growing up, we internalize family culture with observation. And what we learn in the early years takes on an inflexible character about which we have little choice. It's useful to name this part of our lives programming. When we're little, we're getting programmed to act a certain way. And who we're with most is, is, is who does the programming. So the best way to have respectful kids is to be respectful adults, right? So what we should be praying for as a youth ministry is... <laughs> Uh-oh. God, help us raise up better parents because they get the time with the kids and we're outnumbered. I don't want a better youth ministry. I want better family ministry. Amen. I know it is. Your imitation only gets better from time spent with him. Kids are like their parents because of the time that they're with them. God saw Peter on his roof praying and decided, yes. I want to reach people I've never reached, and you're spending time with me. So let's rock it. Because Peter was spending time with God, he could take the gospel to where it had never been before. Get along with God's number one. Number two is let his word transform your mind. Your mind. It's worth it. Romans 12.2 says this. Do not copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That sucks. <laughs> because I think I know how to do it. I think I know how to do it. Peter thought he knew how to do it too. And... That, that scripture keeps reading, you will learn to know God's will for you, and, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so, what I like about this story is, Peter is what I would call, or what we would call, an experienced Christian. Had seen God move, had walked on water, had seen life, trans, life transformation in people, had seen Jesus go to the cross and die and give his life for the salvation of the world. He had started the early church, he had preached on Pentecost, he was somebody who I would call an experienced believer. And, and God's still changing his mind. He's on his roof, having an encounter with God, and God's saying, the way you, that the church is currently thinking will not reach the people I want to reach. So in order to reach the people that God wants to reach, he has to change the way we think. And he had to upgrade Peter's imitation game on the roof. God usually has to stretch our thinking to get the gospel farther. The good news is if you're spending time with him, he'll do it. But he won't if you don't. He won't if you don't. Get alone with God. Let his word transform your mind. It's worth it. 
Imitation is a lifelong process. And I wrote this down. It's hard to imitate God off of a past experience with him for a long period of time. Because I believe he'll give you a revelation to reach a certain type of person. And, and you'll need more revelation to reach more people. And if you're stuck on the same revelation that you've always had of God, you'll only keep reaching the people you've always reached. And if you're doing it right, like Peter was, like Cornelius was, he will catch you on the roof and he will say, you might want to think twice about the way you're thinking. Because I want to reach a group of people. And if you're doing it right like they were, your imitation of God should always get better because he's always changing your mind about everything. If you like it, go do it. (laughs) That is good. Act on it is my third point. Get alone with them. Let them transform your mind. And number three, act on it. This is where your better imitation is. And again, this is where it is worth it. This is the part where at the very tail end of that story, you, you, said, you, you saw where Peter was puzzled and perplexed. And he didn't know what to do with what God just told him about that was unclean, but now I've made it clean and go ahead and eat it. And he was trying to figure it out. And as he was puzzling it, God said, go, do not worry Go with them. I have sent them. Peter did not realize that the gospel was for the Gentiles until after he acted on it. Cornelius' household did not receive the Holy Spirit until Peter had acted on a puzzled revelation. Don't expect God to reveal something to you clearly. Expect to puzzle on it. Expect to chew on it. Expect to disagree with it. Expect. Because what do you do when he reveals something to you that goes against everything you've ever believed? I mean, hundreds of years of prejudice was going in the back of Peter's mind. I can't go to the Gentiles. But he acted on it. And that's the most important part, is acting on it. We're to be good imitators of God, right? Right. Amen? Amen? Well, God has already forgiven the person you won't. If you're going to be more like them, you're going to have to let that go. Because Christ, the best imitation was this, right? The, the best illustration of the Father was when Jesus died on the cross for our sins. And this is where imitation is, becomes a verb and it gets painful because we have to actually apply being a better Jesus. And a better Jesus would give that person that hurt you a second chance. And how much longer are you going to think that way about that situation? Because for as long as you think that way about that situation, he cannot use you. Don't sell yourself short. If imitating God means acting like him, then uh, he's the one that would chase after the one and leave the 99. 
He's the one that ran to the prodigal son and welcomed him with open arms. He's the one that would give his one and only son, if only a few would believe. The ultimate imitation of God looks a lot like this. Come on, whatever circumstances we're in, we should try to imitate him. And Peter found himself in a circumstance where he had to go against everything he had ever believed to reach people that had never been reached. I believe that's where we are. I believe if I'm to get real and get personal, I believe that God's calling me to be a better dad than I am now. He's calling me to be a better leader than I am now. He's calling me to be a better husband than I am now. And if I think the way I've always thought about those three things, I'll only be as good as I've ever thought. And so if I'm to get more like him, I need to get with him more. It's a time thing. So he can reveal himself to me. Is that good? Can we stand together? The band's going to come. Take that with you this week. If God can look down from heaven and see where your loyalties lie, if you could be devoted to him, you'll get more from him and you'll learn how to imitate him more fully. I already said this is where I mess up every time. Because I already believe that I know everything there is to know about the Lord. And if we're honest, the transforming of the mind is a painful process. I don't want it to happen (laughs) because it is very challenging. And if I'm honest, devotion is the first thing to hit the back burner. And I feel more than ever in my life that God is saying, hey, I'm about to do something that I've never done before in your life. I'm about to transform you into a person that you've never thought like before. There are things that I want to do through you that I have got to change your mind about before it's possible. And so God, Would you do that in my life? The only way to be successful in the next season is to be devoted in this one. High school graduates, that's for you. Go into the next chapter of your life with the blessing and anointing of God on your life because of your devotion right now. That was a shameful youth pastor plug. My goal now in my life is to, be, is to be with God more, is to be like David when he says this in, in Psalms. If you guys want to read it with me. Psalm 63, it says this, Oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. 
In this parched and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in your sanctuary and gazed upon your power and glory. Your unfailing love is better than life itself. How I praise you. I will praise you as long as I live, lifting up my hands to you in prayer. You satisfy me. Because when I'm hungry, I go to the roof. You satisfy me more than the richest feasts. I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you. I can't get enough of you, meditating on you through the night because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadow of your wings. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. Being an imitator of God means being like this. I lie awake thinking of you, O God. Come on, if our sins are forgiven, we ought to want to spend the rest of our lives devoted to the one who forgave us. That's what the imitation game is all about. Devoting the rest of your life to the one who has saved you from your sins. Appreciate him. Let him know that it's better to go to heaven. Let him know that it's better to be joyful that it's better to have peace. It's better to forgive. I wanted to do this really quick. If you're standing in here today and you do not know Jesus as your personal savior, I want to give you the opportunity to make that right, right now. So if that's you, come on, every eye closed, every head bowed. We want to give you a chance to pray that this morning. Would you pray it with me if that's you? You do not know Jesus as your Savior yet. Let's pray that together. Repeat after me. Say, God, I need you to forgive my sins today. I want to live a life completely devoted to you. I accept you as my personal Savior. Amen. Come on, can we give it up for anyone who may have prayed that today? Thank you, Lord. If you said that prayer, do me a favor. See somebody on your way out. Tell them the decision that you've made. We want to celebrate with you. God wants to have a life of devotion with you where he transforms you and uses you in ways you never believed, never imagined. Come on, for everybody else, I want to pray for you before we leave. Come on, let's pray. God, thank you for the way that you use devoted people. Help us, God, to be imitators of you. Help us to prioritize you into our lives. And reveal to us how to imitate you better and better. Transform us so that we can reach more people. God, it is worth it. All God's people say, amen and amen. Come on.